Till it's Thursday, October 19th, 2023. Joining me by phone soon will be Don Fontaine, the Executive Director of Open the Courthouse Door, a new initiative to provide indigent clients legal services. And then my take on the candidates for Cape Elizabeth Town Council. You'd be surprised who's opposed to affordable housing and, well, maybe you're not going to be surprised. Sometimes progressives aren't so progressive, if you know what I mean. Well, first, let's welcome to the program Don Fontaine. Hi, Don. Hi, Cynthia. How are you today? Well, I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful day here in Maine, and it's nice to connect with you. I haven't seen you for a bit. Yes, it has been. It has been a while, hasn't it? So you reached out to me about an exciting new project you're working on uh, called Open the Courthouse Doors. What, what is that, Don? Open the Courthouse Doors is an organization of uh, various lawyers at this point. Uh, myself, uh, there's a large international law firm named of Oric based in New York that is providing us with uh, a lobbyist and pro bono uh, uh, experts uh, to the extent there is a f- expertise in this field, uh, two or three people to uh, help us with that. Uh, also, we have- What's as, the big idea though? What's like the big idea that you're trying the to- The idea is to enact a statute in the state of Maine that says uh, if poor people are sued or if they have them a lawsuit, uh, a civil lawsuit in court, uh, and the, the opposing party, at this point we're drafting, and we're, we're, we're not too sure, but at this point, uh, if the defendant is a corporation, uh, you know, well-financed, and the poor person prevails in the lawsuit, uh, then the attorney's fees of the poor person has to be paid by the other side. Let me ask you. This is called stuff. fee shifting. Yeah. Fee shifting. Okay. Fee shifting. I'm I'm supportive. You you have a petition and I signed it and I'm happy to explain why later. But just initially, why is it important that poor people benefit from this statute that you hope to get some traction on? Why is it why is it that poor people are are, are who you who you're well, concerned the, about? The problem is that whenever they are uh, sued and brought into and brought into court. Uh, if they go, they're terrified to go for the first place because they have no attorney. Uh, and if they go, the odds are terrible against them. They're uneducated, uh, certainly uneducated as to the law and un- uneducated in other ways facing a corporation with an attorney. It's just uh, not possible in that setting to have a real adversarial due process hearing. There are many, many scholars and uh, main luminaries uh, that I could name legal that uh, agree with that. Maine is like most of the states, uh, less than less than 10% of poor people who seek legal help from legal aid do not end up with having an attorney representing them. Now, when you say uh, poor people, who not, are you talking about? Like what, what income range roughly? We're so, talking about anybody. Uh, the definition, we have a draft of a statute. There's a statute, a draft of a statute to that effect. Uh, anybody who is a receive, receiving any public uh, benefits of any kind, welfare, food stamps, public uh, benefits, uh, they are automatically by the statute assumed to be unable to afford attorneys, which 
is rather obvious given the cost of attorneys that you and I know. Um, uh, so that is a poor person. Uh, and then uh, the second provision of the statute is if a person claiming to be poor isn't receiving any benefits, then his income has to be uh, has to be below a certain level of the, the federal poverty rate uh, multiplied by uh, 200% or 300% on or 400%, whatever your point of view is. Um, all, all the legal services in Maine uh, qualify people as poor if their income is less than 200% of the federal poverty rate, some 300%. So how far along are you in your efforts to enact a statute? Do you have a sponsor of well, a bill? Or are you just getting going? No, we had a statute. It was introduced in the legislature last, last session. Did not get out of committee successfully. Uh, we started very late uh, with not enough number, uh, not, en not enough uh, 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 organizations on our side to to convince it. Uh, it was in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, there are all kinds of reasons, speculative and uh, not so speculative, that it failed in committee, but it is not unusual for novel statutes oh, sure. to fail the first time out. But you did have some pretty substantial support from very highly regarded organizations such as the ACLU of Maine, Disability Rights. That's, so you, that's, you, that's you, true. you had a good we had, start. We had some support, but uh, the amount of uh, activity we could generate with the, uh, with the committee wasn't, uh, uh, well, I think it was sufficient, but other people who look at it, and speaking objectively, uh, we needed more weight on the committee that we produced. Now, why are you particularly suited for the job? Well, uh, very many reasons. Uh -huh. uh, but I started my career off as a legal aid attorney, and I was a, you know, the, directing, the executive director of Pine Tree Legal Assistance in its early days. Uh, and since that time, since I've left Pine Tree Legal Assistance, I've been in, in the type of litigation that uh, that seeks to help working people and poor people. Uh, I've done unemployment compensation, workers' compensation, some union work, overtime, minimum wage. Uh, that's my field, so to speak, and I've practiced for 50 years representing with a, with a people. With a sterling really... reputation, I might just interject briefly to say that at yeah. least your your reputation as a lawyer was is very, very um, high, and so I'm happy that you are in this role, um, what what are the obstacles that you face? Well, the obstacle I face is is a novel uh, concept. Uh, every state, including Maine, has fee shifting statutes. For example, minimum wage and overtime have fee shifting statute. If you bring a suit, uh, you win. The employer has to pay the attorney's fees, and that's true of age discrimination, uh, gender discrimination. Uh, 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 workers' compensation at one time. Yeah, a lot uh, of the civil rights. There's a list of 20 statutes yeah. in Maine where fish shifting goes on. But, but uh, the, call, the feature of all of those is they focus on a particular evil that the legislature wants corrected, like race discrimination, sex discrimination, uh, minimum wage uh, violations. Yeah, whistleblowing. The, the legislature, in order to promote those public policies that they've already enacted, uh, knowing that the attorney general can't bring all of those suits, create fee shifting. Uh, our statute doesn't focus on a particular substantive evil. It focuses on the evil uh, 
that poor people cannot get into court to defend themselves. It focuses on the fact that uh, the judiciary is one third of our government and poor people are largely excluded from it. That's a social evil. Uh, it's been called that by three uh, prestigious uh, main commissions on the problem of access to justice. And so, uh, but it's novel because there hasn't been another court enacted statute of that type. Now, there's been a lot of things in the paper about the indigent legal defense, criminal defense uh, yes. know, situation that has been kind of a mess and hopefully is getting slowly worked out. But this is different, right? I mean, what you're working on is separate. It's from different. Yeah. And the, the, the criminal's uh, situation is far worse than our situation. I mean, we have people threatened with jail and prison that don't have adequate representation of counsel. We have a constitution that requires them to have counsel uh, if there's any danger of incarceration. Uh, and so um, that's a deplorable situation and worse than ours, really. I mean, ours is bad enough. We're supposed to have, act, we're supposed to have the mark of a democracy is that people can vote and people can have access to justice. Uh, this uh, lack of access to justice of poor people has been studied by international bodies and the United States appears at, out of 140 nations studied. Uh, the, United, the United States appears as 114 below many third world countries. Well, I guess uh, I, I, I would, I'm certainly totally supportive of, of the idea. I would wonder though if it might be also good to extend it to just regular old middle class families that also face, you know, I mean, well, if, if, some, uh, argue, some argued, uh, our principle, let me go back a little bit, our principle, our principle public policy argument when we had the bill introduced was uh, all the legal service programs admit that they can't serve anywhere near uh, any any greater than 10%, sometimes not even that of the people. Therefore, there's a huge unmet need of poor people. And so fee shifting will allow pe uh, poor people to get attorneys who will accept the cases on the condition that they will be paid if they win. They won't take lousy cases right. under those conditions, will they? They'll take good cases and they have to be good to win. Now, where was I? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was, you, yeah, you were, we yeah. were talking about just why it, why it's why it's really necessary for low-income people. So how can... Oh, yeah, let me go. No, you said, what about middle-class people? So we had in our definition of the other of the statute last year a 400%. If your income was below 400% of the property poverty level, you would be considered poor for that statute. Some people said, well, that's not poor. You know, there's people that have, that, uh, have incomes uh, above 400% of the poverty level that uh, they're going to get attorneys under this. And the answer, of course, is though it's not our, it's not our primary interest. But the answer is, well, that's true. But they still can't afford attorneys. I know it's real. You know, it is. <laughs> and uh, a large number of the people that go into main courts, uh, not represented, this is undisputed by everybody, are, are middle class people who can't can't afford attorneys, but they don't want to have default judgments issued against them. Poor people just accept that there's going to be a default judgment against them because they don't dare going to court against an attorney. So what can lawyers do to help support this effort? Well, lawyers can recognize, uh, uh, well, let me just, 
there's a good quote to give you as an answer to this. Robert Kennedy, the real Robert Kennedy, <laughs> not the guy running for president, gave a speech one time to the bar to the American Bar Association and said, "Look, the situation of poor people in courts is horrible, and we and we the attorneys of the United States have created that situation by making all the rules of the court complex." And by making so many statutes that are complex, we made this problem, we should solve it. So the answer to your question is that uh, we have to have most attorneys, we want to have most attorneys in Maine saying, as a professional matter, you know, I have to say that this is not due process for a large percentage of the people and that this statute should be enacted. So they should sign the petition. That's why I sent you uh, a petition, uh, Cynthia, why you sent it back, signed. That's uh, right. Endorsing this concept. We hope to have many, many lawyers in Maine Maine, take that position. We don't going to ask all of them to sign a piece of paper. But between now and January 2025, which is when the next bill will be introduced, we hope to be in touch with many lawyers uh, so that there'll be no doubt where the bar stands on this issue. Because we'll, be, we'll need more than the bar, but we'll need that to start, it seems. Well, Don Fontaine, thank you so much for joining the show. And I My wish pleasure. you the best of luck. And I look forward to talking to you more about this exciting project. I hope when after we finish uh, this delightful conversation, uh, we can ha- continue it uh, uh, Without, without the recording, if you give me a call. <laughs> I look forward to it. All right, I'll talk to you later, Don. Take care. Thanks so much. Well, that was Don Fontaine, Executive Director of Open the Courthouse Door, former Executive Director of Pine Tree Legal, and uh, working on an important project. If anyone's interested, go to my website, syndicatemedia.net. That's syndicate with a C media.net, and leave a comment, and I'll get you the petition and the uh, information. And now I just want to touch on um, last night's Candidates Night at the Cape Elizabeth Town Council. I attended the session that involved the four candidates running for uh, town council, Stephanie Anderson, Tim Thompson, Matthew Grimmick, and Andrew Swayze. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad I went. There was a huge turnout, a lot of students. It was put on by the high school government class uh, run by Ted Jordan, who's a a teacher, sort of a beloved teacher of many decades that does this candidate's night um, every election. It's something that the community looks forward to. It's televised. And of course, I was particularly interested in the questions that have to do with building affordable housing on Goldcrest, what I've been calling community housing, because I've been working on it for, you know, several years, and it's been the topic of a lot of... um, public meetings, forums, debates, um, petitions. Uh, there's, there's been a feasibility study on it. It's been, it, so it's been an issue that's been going around town for you know a couple of years now. And you can imagine my surprise when Andrew Swayze said, well, that's his number one issue, you know, because I haven't seen him at a single meeting. And, you know, I, I, I was just shocked. And, and, and it, further shocked me that uh, his position on Goldcrest is this, that environmentally, you know, it just can't be done, that because there's like a salt marsh, and, you know, salt marshes is what's filter the uh, water, and therefore we would be just terrible people if we built this housing 
on the 22 acres of, of Gullcrest that has been found to be feasible by engineers. This is land that the town owns, that is zoned for housing, and has been found feasible by town engineers to be developable according to our zoning ordinance and is 22 acres. And and then, you know, he went on to say that um, he loves where he lives, which is Elizabeth Park, and and why can't we do that? And and just the, the very funny thing, sort of, except that it's not funny if you think about it, is that where he lives is is exactly really across the river from where community housing would be. His house is the same distance from this marsh, the same marsh, that you know abuts the Spurwink River as community housing will be on the other side. And what we hope to achieve in community housing is the neighborhood that he has. I mean, that's what we're talking about, is to basically duplicate what's on the north side of the Spurwink River, okay, Cape Colonial Village, Elizabeth Park, these high-density, lovely neighborhoods on the other side. And and to, for him to suggest that somehow it's it's just so horrible when he <laughs> when he lives, you know, the, the same distance from the marsh in the kind of neighborhood that we want. And he said that he hopes to develop similar neighborhoods as his, and that's why he wants to change the laws so that we can do so. And the whole point about community housing, the whole point about housing on Goldcrest is that we don't have to change the laws. We can do affordable housing on 22 acres of Goldcrest that conforms with the Cape Elizabeth zoning ordinance, that takes advantage of the density bonus of LD 2003. Okay, that's the groovy housing law that progressive Democrats supposedly support. My idea is to do an affordable housing development on Goldcrest using LD 2003 density bonus, if that's what the Cape Elizabeth Council wants to do. So why he would be opposed to it, I, I just I just don't understand. And then further, the alternative that he says is, you know, his solution to the housing shortage in Cape Elizabeth is to, you know, oh, well, we just have to increase the density. We have to do more housing in, in the town center because, you know, if only we had more housing in town center, then people could walk there because nobody can walk to town center. His neighborhood is literally adjacent to town center. It's one of the most dense neighborhoods in Cape Elizabeth. You walk 500 steps and you are on the field at the at the high school, which is the town center. So town center housing is not the issue. People want the town center to be vibrant, to have businesses and shops on the first floor of buildings, quaint sidewalks with housing that's suitable for the environment above. That's what the town comprehensive plan says. That's what the town center plan says. That's what the zoning says. That's the issue that we all came around and voted on and rejected changing. And yet this solution that this candidate has is to uh, essentially um, do what the voters already said we didn't want to do that is against the zoning ordinance instead of complying with the existing law furthering a project that a majority of Cape citizens will have to support because in order to achieve the housing on Goldcrest, we'll need to build a road. In my opinion, the best and you know, the best stewardship of public dollars would be to pay for the road using a bond over 30 years. And that cost 
would be borne by taxpayers, but every taxpayer would have the ability to go into the voting booth and vote it up or down. So, you know, we don't have to guess. We don't need to pay consultants to take a survey to put our finger in the air and see what's popular. We can actually construct a very creative project using existing laws, including the very progressive LD 2003, but also Cape Elizabeth zoning ordinance, and it's legal, we can afford it, and it'll go out to the voters, we don't need a consultant, and yet the, you know, the candidate who says affordable housing is his big issue is not on board. And I guess it just, it saddens me that neither Andrew Swayze or Matthew Grimmick would agree to like, you know, come on the show and talk to me about it. It's not like I would, you know, cross-examine them on the position, but you would think that if you're running for town council and this is an issue that is, you know, certainly a hot issue in town, okay? I think a majority of the people support it, but there's a big, loud minority who are opposed to it for a variety of reasons. Most of them are petty and political. They're not fact-based. For instance, when people say that, you know, you can't build affordable housing next to a landfill, well, guess what? You know, it, it's right up in Cumberland. That's what's happening, and that's what's happened, and no one was opposed to it, and it's worked out so well. So yes, you can, and the people are opposed to it because they said there's all kinds of environmental concerns. Well, hello, there's, there's not. That's why we're putting an ice rink there. That's why it's the heart of the, of the town. That's why so much activity is there, gardens, recreation, skiing, football. I mean, you name it, everything is happening at Goldcrest. And all we're saying is on this 22 acres of over 250, I might add, that is connected to the town school campus by a Greenbelt Trail, is, is, you know, it's, it's a perfectly feasible and good workable solution and anyone running for public office should know the facts about it and not jump down this rabbit hole of, of oh it's there's an environmental hazard when that's not the case it has not been proven or that it, somehow it, it's it's impossible or it's not feasible or it's not ethical this is this is the really the, the icing on the cake is is that somehow the argument that it's it's not ethical to build housing that complies with the law that would allow for low and moderate income families to move into town and to use our schools. It's not ethical building that housing near a landfill, even though it's legal, when the alternative is doing nothing. So somehow it's more ethical for these people who are opposed to do nothing than to do something that fully complies with the law. I just, I, I don't understand it. And the idea that we have all this open space, all these groovy progressives who are opposed to doing an affordable housing development on Goldcrest, even though it complies with LD 2003 and would support low and moderate income families moving into Cape Elizabeth, they oppose it. And yet they, they, they don't want to give up any of the land. There's no other place to put housing. That's the point. If you've been following the issue in Cape Elizabeth, you know. There's no other public land to put housing of any, you know, degree. So it's just, it's, it's sad to me that, that people who claim that this issue is their number one issue running for town council are so ill-informed when there's so much information and background easily available. And just a conversation with me for 30 minutes would have informed them of some of the, uh, you know, just falsehoods that apparently they 
have have adopted about this project. So I'm not voting for um, Swayze. He's uh, He's not, he's not the guy in my book. Uh, we don't need somebody who's lived here for two years and isn't aware of the fact that where he lives is like exactly equidistant from what you know what we're trying to do and basically the same thing. It's good enough for him, but I guess it's not good enough for anybody else. So I'm voting for Stephanie Anderson and Tim Thompson. They are by far the most qualified, um, forward-thinking, reasonable people. I think Matt Grimmick has um, certainly perhaps some potential as a public office holder. I don't think he's experienced enough. He just hasn't been following the issues. We need people who know about the town. Okay, We need people who are experienced at governing. We need people who can make decisions in a collaborative and consensus basis, but take a vote and take a position and have um, a principled basis for the position, which I believe um, Stephanie Anderson and Tim Thompson will do. So stay tuned. This is Cynthia Dill, and this is Keeble.